Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 36. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, watching TV on the iPhone, yes I know, again. Uh, where did our tweets go? And a solution to our sound recording problem from last week. Yeah, last week we uh, discussed watching streaming TV on the iPhone. and uh, I, I mentioned tvcatchup.com. Which I think works... you'll find I mentioned tvcatchup.com. Okay, well I tried tvcatchup.com this week. Yeah, it certainly works on 3G and on the blue dot, although it is very slow and uh, it's, it's kind of stop-start jerky. It isn't really supported on GPRS, so um, you actually did rather well there. Yeah, it's a lot better on wireless. One of our restaurants at work has uh, free Wi-Fi, I found this week. I was sitting in there. It's not a restaurant I go in often. It's at the other end of the site. And there was a thing there on the on the, on the, the desk, on the, on the table, and it said... Uh, you why not enjoy your lunch and use free Wi-Fi? So I uh, logged on and I watched TV whilst having my lunch. Although I don't think that's why they made that facility available. I don't think it was either. But that wasn't your only TV-related success this week, was it? No, it wasn't. You might remember that last week we discussed the Elgato iTV app, which allows you to watch TV on the iPhone as long as you have the desktop Elgato app running on your Mac. And we mentioned that Apple pulled the app from the App Store, citing that there was testing code which allows you to stream over 3G. Now, I think the main problem related to AT&T objecting to the use of their network for streaming, but Apple seemed to apply it to all countries with a blanket removal from all the App Stores. Now, whilst you were editing the show on Monday night, I was having a look at a few uh, web uh, websites, tech websites, and found that Apple had actually reversed their decision and the app was back in favour and back in the stores. There is actually a trick to using the app, though, if you're not connected to a wireless network. You run the ITV on the Mac and then run the app on the phone, and when the message appears that says you need Wi-Fi, click on the heading of the message. Now, that is uber sneaky. It is, but that should then start the streaming process under 3G. I tested it out this week. Please tell me that that testing did not involve the dreaded Jeremy Kyle. Well, it would have done. I was sitting in the car park after a meeting watching uh, this morning. My meeting overran, so I uh, missed Kyle, unfortunately. Hmm. Now, one of your interminable meetings, or Jeremy Kyle? It's a close-run thing to decide which one of those fates is worse, actually. It is. But uh, leaving TV behind and uh, on to Tweety. Uh, something else we mentioned last week uh, was the gaps in the timeline in Tweety, on the phone or on Tweety for the desktop. So, um, as I've been calling it, Tweety, the mystery of the missing tweets. Um, Tweety loads in your last 100 tweets, which can leave a gap in the timeline within the app if you're away from Twitter for too long. Which I am overnight, but I can't say the same for you. Well, usually I'd agree with you, but this week I've been majorly busy and there were times I didn't check Twitter for um, 18 hours. 18 hours? You can uh, get treatment for that, you know. Very funny. What can I say? I was a busy girl. Anyway, back to Tweety. And it was you who had the problem, or at least you who noted it, noticed it first. So go on. Yeah, one morning uh, last week I was catching up on overnight tweets, I was out with the dog, and I noticed that you'd replied to somebody that I also follow, but I couldn't see the original tweet, so I had to go and load in their feed and find it to know what the, what she'd said and, uh, and you replied to. 
I noticed that too, um, and it was in the desktop version as well as the iPhone one. And it's not always the same tweets that are missing. Yeah, I've got three Twitter clients on my phone. I've got Tweety, Twitterific and Twinkle. And although last week all three had the same problem, the missing tweets, I decided to see if Twinkle would let me see uh, the missing tweets, and it did. So it appears to be a problem with Tweety 2, which many people have actually reported and discussed on forums. So much so that there's quite a few people going back to version 1 or using another client. Well, Tweety 2 really is a complete rewrite and um, that's been acknowledged by the developer. So in his mind, it's sort of a version 1 product. So hopefully it'll all be fixed in the future. Yeah, not only is it annoying, though, uh, you can miss critical information. For example, tonight, uh, ScreenFlow 2 was announced. I'd not been on Twitter for several hours due to work commitments. And whilst I was out dog walking, I was catching up on the phone. Now, if that had been announced earlier, I'd have completely missed it. True, true. Need to sort that out, I think. Mm. Yeah. Last week, we also discussed uh, Voice Memos app on the phone. And the main issue was that after a certain period of time, it stopped recording. Yes. As I mentioned, for me, it was 30 minutes, 23 seconds. And I'm not alone. We got some feedback from Andy Betterson via Twitter that it's doing the same to him, but at 36 minutes. So uh, we have an agreement that it's a feature. Uh, no, we came to the conclusion that it's broken. OK, then. Uh, well, you'll be glad to know that we found a solution which is free. And in our software review later in the show, we'll take, tell you more. So uh, keep listening. Oh, you little tease. Mm. Now, uh, with the clocks going back in the UK this weekend, when I woke up uh, on Sunday morning, the Mac and iPhone had both updated. So I thought uh, maybe they synced, because if you remember from last week, we had uh, this issue of not being able to sync the iPhone with the Mac. But alas, no, the iPhone is still about one minute slower than the Mac. Now, some people might call me ainly retentive. Um, oh, surely not. <laughs> A few seconds I can cope with, but a minute, almost a minute, uh, I, you know, I think that is, uh, I don't think that's any retentive. I think that's something to get wound up about. Well, maybe not wound up no, about. No, not wound up about. No, no, no. You've not had the week I have. <laughs> no, Let's leave it no. at ainly retentive and carry on. Okay. You can actually on the phone go into settings, go to general and date and time, and there's an option set automatically. Now, if that is set to on, it means that your iPhone's clock is set by your cellular provider, not via the computer's clock, um, with it, which, which happens with an iTunes sync process. Although I haven't got a set automatically option and I have since found out it does depend on your network provider. Isn't that typical? So uh, we're saying one thing and people in another country or on... Uh... Another network, Orange are going to be supplying it very, very soon, may have completely different options. Yes, yeah, somebody on a, a forum that I read said that they, they took their, fo their phone, they put a Vodafone SIM into it and the option was there. So it does depend on your network provider. Now, talking of iPhone annoyances, have you noticed how it seems to be more sensitive to uh, wrist movement? <laughs> wrist movements. <laughs> And how did you discover this um, increased sensitivity? Let's not go there. 
Oh, very innocent, of course. I could be on Twitter. I could be reading or typing an email uh, or text or even just using the iPod. I've got it held in my hand and I hardly move it. And it I think you should clarify, you mean the phone. I mean the phone, of course. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad. Carry on. I hardly move the phone and it flicks the landscape, but it never seems to be that easy to switch back to portrait with a, an equal minimal flick of the wrist, shall we say. You know, I've got to reply to this. We behave. Uh, I have noticed the same, actually. So, um, yes, it's very annoying. But I, it's usually when it's flat. Um, you know, when you put it flat on your desk? Yeah. It never used to flick around when it was flat on the desk. But now I find I have to put like a pen or a book or something. So it's tilted up slightly. Mm. Strange. So we're, we're, we're agreed. There is definitely increased sensitivity. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Last week saw some uh, new Apple toys, didn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Shall we do one of my uber-fast roundups? Yeah, go on. Because everybody does them to death. Right. Um, there were new Mac minis, including a server model, a gorgeous new 27-inch iMac, a new 21.5-inch iMac, updates to the Airport Extreme, uh, completely new hardware, the Magic Mouse, and an updated remote control. Fast enough? It is, yeah. Yeah, that covers it. Yeah. So uh, what do we want? I want one of everything. Oh, no, I was much more restrained. Um, I want a Mac Mini server, and I rather like the 27-inch iMac. And, of course, I still haven't got my Airport Extreme. Um, that's pretty much one of everything as well, isn't it? Almost, but there is a glaring omission there. The magic mouse. Yeah, so there's something that Apple make that you don't want. Exactly. Um, mainly because I, I had Mighty Mouse issues. Um, when I first switched, I just used what came in the box. So the Mighty Mouse got plugged in and that was that. And it did take some getting used to when I first switched. Um, I found the Mighty Mouse was um, odd in use. Um, I think it was because the side buttons, um, I was used to sort of picking it up by holding the sides. Um, and those buttons were programmed to do something and it kept doing things and obviously being a new switcher. Um, so it did take me a while to get used to it, but um, the main issue I had, I had to go out and buy a new mouse mat. I know this sounds ridiculous. Um, it worked great on the table, but on the mouse mat, it was awful. Um, it kept jumping. It would literally jump from one corner of the screen to another. So much so, I thought there was something wrong with it. Um, until I got the idea, well, let me try a different mouse mat. And I did. Of course, the mouse mats that it likes are like £20. And the mouse mats I had were like 50p. Swine. So um, I did keep to these uh, rather expensive mouse mats. I also noticed that um, when the mouse mats had been in use a while, um, they got sort of shiny patches on them because uh, it didn't like fabric at all. Um, so I got these kind of plasticized ones. Um, when it, they got a bit shiny, the mouse started misbehaving again. So it was costing me a fortune in uh, mats for these things. But I did love the way it scrolled left to right. And once I'd got used to that with the little wheel, um, I couldn't do without that, really. But I did feel that it was just not that well made, um, certainly not that sturdy. And it just wasn't up to coping with the demands that I place on a mouse. I can work easy 18 hours a day, um, literally hand on the mouse virtually all day. Um, and I went through six Mighty Mouse, well, Mighty Mice in 18 months. So... When the last one went, I thought, I can't keep doing this. Um, Apple changed a couple because they were worn out. They agreed with that and they were only three to four months old. 
um, and they did change them, but I couldn't keep going that way. They must wonder what you do with them. Indeed. All in the wrist action, I, I suspect. So what I did was um, I went, I heard all about Logitech MX Revolution and the thing with trying to buy a mouse is if you can't actually go in and try it, then you don't know if it's for you. And it, it is a very personal thing. So we had to do the unthinkable, didn't we? We went into PC World, <gasps> being one of the very few shops that has mice out to try. The trouble was they were all Microsoft ones. So um, I did see a Logitech in um, a packet and decided that, you know, just go for it. Um, and I've had the same Logitech MX Revolution now for 11 months and it still feels like new. And it pretty much uh, wheels on any type of mouse mat. So I, d I no longer have the problem with the mats either. Um, and that Logitech was wireless. Um, the Mighty Mice that I was using weren't um, wireless. And if I wanted a wireless one, then they were even more expensive. Now, I charge uh, my main mouse every two to three days, depending on use, but... That's probably excessive. And the other the others that I have, I obviously have more than one. I couldn't do without my mouse. So I have more than one. And um, in the other the other mice that I have, they can last for weeks um, without a charge, which I guess just just shows how much I do actually use the main one. Mine was around £50 when I bought it, which was a lot less than the recommended retail. Um, I had a quick look and you can still buy those for £53 which is slightly more than an old wired Mighty Mouse, but a lot less than the new one, um, which I think is around 55. So my main concern with the new one would be that I would wear it out or break it and just end up needing another or even six in 18 months, which is just excessive. So for me, I, I don't think I'm going to go down that route. Um, Steer mouse, which I've talked about, which is my mouse driver, means that I can configure my mouse differently in each application. And now I'm used to it. I don't actually want to change. So I, I obviously I will have a go with them when I go in the Apple store. And I've stopped saying, oh, I don't like the look of it because I said that about the keyboard until I tried it and walked out with one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it looks all right, I suppose. It doesn't exactly grip me as being fabulous to look at. Um, I'm just... I think it's one of those things you'd, you'd get used to it and then you'd need one for, for every computer or every device. And if you're, if you're working on another machine, I think it, it would just give me more grief. So I don't intend to switch at the moment. There, I've said it publicly on record. So if I go to the Apple store and come back with 10 of them, then you'll know that they, they, they bamboozled me again. They did it again. But at the moment, I don't think I'm going to be buying one. What about you? I'm not going to be buying one, no. Um... I'm happy using the standard two-button scroll wheel Microsoft mouse uh, because I use one for eight hours a day at work anyway on Windows and it's just what you get used to, I think. Um, and you can get them for about £2 from a computer fair. The only downside is that it has Microsoft written across it, but that can be fixed with one of those numerous Apple stickers that we've got. Yeah, no doubt you can probably get one that doesn't say Microsoft, but you'd have to pay more. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, you know, sometimes I think we need to have an audio recorder permanently switched on at MacBytes headquarters, although I don't think we'd have been able to broadcast this week's rant without it running through a bleep machine. Oh, too right. I was um, slightly upset. Absolutely uh, incensed. More than that. Yeah, OK, OK, OK. Absolutely incensed. Um, I've mentioned before that uh, Adobe Fireworks crashes every time I close it, and I do stress every time I close it, uh, which is bad enough. But what it then does is uh, it 
it's gone off the screen. So you think, okay, it's crashed. I've got a message to say it's crashed. I've clicked okay, now go away. And it's gone. But then it brings up the Apple crash reporter and insists on uh, telling the mothership all about it. So I do that. And then another crash reporter comes up this time. It's the Adobe crash reporter. And they seem to take a fluctuating amount of time to appear. So it can take, they can either appear straight away or it can take sort of two to three minutes before they appear. Uh, by which time I've forgotten about that and moved on to something else. And I had mentioned that it was mildly annoying. So I was already peeved before I read this um, garbage on the Adobe Fireworks blog. And, and I'll read it because then you'll see why I'm so incensed. Right. There's only one issue that we're seeing repeatedly, broadly and consistently. And that is that Fireworks CS4 may crash when you select File, Quit or Command and Q. Thanks to the crash reports submitted by users, we have an idea of how common this is and also what the problem is. The crash only happens on some Snow Leopard installations where Fireworks CS4 is running. If you are one of the people experiencing this issue, then we want to reassure you that it's not a harmful crash. Our engineers have found the offending code and determined that all unsaved documents can be safely saved before the code that causes the crash executes. The code that's causing the crash has been in the product since we first released Fireworks CS3 and did not cause crashes until it was executed on some but not all Snow Leopard installations. It is conceivable that if you're using Fireworks CS3 on Snow Leopard, you may also experience this crash, although we have not been able to cause that to happen in our tests. We'll continue to monitor these crash reports to determine if we can find a workaround and to understand how common the crash is for our customers. At this time, we have no planned update release to fix this since it's harmless and causes no data loss. We regret any inconvenience this causes. Now, I have a few problems with that. Brace yourself, people. I think we have more ranting. As I was saying, I have a few problems with that. First, some installations, really. It's suspicious how I'm always one of them, despite trying it on five different Macs. Purchased at five different times with five different configurations. Not a harmful crash. Did they really say that in public? Admittedly, the machine doesn't burst into flames, um, but surely they're not claiming that it's by design. CS3 on Snow Leopard. Well, for me, um, CS3, Fireworks CS3, crashed repeatedly on Leopard. Um, so never mind what it would do on Snow Leopard. I'm rather glad I haven't tried it. Um, they then say can't repeat it. Well, Adobe, take this as an open invitation to come and visit. Because it happens to me every single time. If it's nothing to do with saving the files and it's not harmful and it's failing by crashing anyway, then why not just fix it or take it out? And they've not actually said what the code is doing, but if it's not harmful, it's not affecting saving the files, then what's it there for anyway? Um, they are going to, to, and I quote, continue to monitor. Fantastic. I'm thrilled. But it gets better. To understand how common it is. Well, there I can help them. Every flaming time I close it. So, um... I think that is a complete and utter disgrace. It is. For a software company the size of Adobe, it is a disgrace. Well, I'd liken it to a car manufacturer. Um, imagine that a car has a fault and it stalls every time you put it into neutral. Would that be acceptable? 
it might not be injurious, but to me, it's far from acceptable. Yeah, but not all software developers are like that, though, are they? No, but it seems to me that the bigger they are, the worse they are. Um, I've said this before, I've had fantastic support from smaller development companies and even sole developers. Um, as you know, look at Busy Mac with BusyCal. Didn't seem to matter what time of the day or what day we contacted them. They acknowledged the issues that, that we sent them and they had a fix out in under two to three hours maximum and often much quicker by return of email. Yeah, they did. Uh, so, yeah, well done to Busy Mac. And uh, there's, there's other little developers like that. I remember on Windows, we had a similar relationship with some developers, didn't we? Well, that's Oops. it. I think that you do have a relationship with them, and I think they do care about their product, and they care about the users. And yeah, and they listen. They do. And I get the point that, I mean, I have said before on MacBytes, I know I have, that I, I have sent crash reports back, and they were getting increasingly sarcastic. I mean, they're going to monitor it, are they? Great. Because people will have turned off the crash reporting because it's going to slow you down even more. Not only is it crashing, but then you've got to sit and fill in a crash report. So are they saying, you know, we're seeing it less? If you're seeing it less, it's because people can't be bothered to send, keep sending them in. I've, I must have sent in hundreds. And, and what are they doing? Nothing. So what's the point in sending any more? But if you don't send them, then they definitely won't do anything. So horrendous. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like when they say you know the crime rate's down. It's because people aren't reporting it. Exactly. You see. Now, wasn't that a worthwhile rant? Mm. Anyway, on a lighter note, in attempt to uh, get Elaine to calm down, there's some new uh, get a Mac ads out this week. Ah, now yes, I love the new Broken Promises one. It's almost as good as my favourite of all time. Cancel or allow. Um, in the Broken Promises one, uh, Windows does a Benjamin Button and ends up an 80s attired teenager, which I think is brilliant. So I, I like that one. That did indeed make me smile. Yeah, I watched them all tonight. There's about half a dozen that I watched. I love the Broken Promises one, but I'm not over keen on the others. And uh, it's not only in advertising where Microsoft have tried to copy Apple, is it? Oh, no, we had the grand opening of the Microsoft store this week. Um, nothing original at all. There's a video, so we'll put a link to that. Uh, it's uh, on YouTube. If you didn't know any better, you'd swear it was an Apple store opening. And uh, I was wondering what they were selling because I could see hardware on the desk. So have they got deals going with hardware suppliers? We in inquiring minds need to know. Hmm. It it did look like an Apple opening, didn't it? I mean, bright coloured T-shirts. They did have different colours, though. I think there was yellow and green. Oh, my word. Big difference. But yeah, there was all the whooping, the cheering, the queue. Oh, actually, where did the people come from? I wonder if they hired Extras. them. Mm. All of them from Coronation Yeah, Street always unemployed actors. There you go. Mm. Go to Microsoft. They're hiring. Even down to the... Um, you know, the name badges with the lanyards and stuff like that. Oh, the whole thing was the same. It really mm. was. Total copy. Uh, it reminds me of that Microsoft stand they had in the Trafford Centre one day that uh, was aimed at kids. I think I missed mm. that. I was probably screaming at the Genius Bar at the time. <laughs> you were, actually. There you go, then. <laughs> uh, yes, I was um, staying out of the way. That was probably wise. <laughs> anyway, talking of kids... Um, New version of Open Office is out. Open Office for kids. It's a slimmed down version of Open Office. The target age is uh, seven to twelve year olds. 
Uh, and after trying it out, I actually think there's a lot of adults who would prefer it over Microsoft Office or even the full version of OpenOffice. It's available on Mac, Windows and Linux as well. Now, the main advantages are that it loads very fast. It is fast to create a new document. It's actually a lot faster than Microsoft Office. Open Office, which I do find slow to load, and also Numbers Keynote and Pages, which although I do love them, uh, I do find Numbers, I don't use Pages a lot, but I certainly find Numbers and Keynote incredibly slow to open. I don't know what you think. Um, I don't find them too slow to open, but um, they're certainly not instant, no. Um, and mm. you mentioned Open Office, but the one I did find very slow was Neo Office. Yeah, I ditched that in the end because it was really slow. I supported them when I first switched um, to a Mac, um, sent them a donation and everything because I thought what they were doing was brilliant. And at the time, there was no open office that didn't need um, oh bells and whistles that you had to install manually, um, X11 and all sorts. And I did use it when I needed to open files, but obviously that the longer I've been on a Mac, the less I need it. So uh, when open office came out and it, it added the native interface, I thought it really is just too slow, Neo. So um, that was when I went to Open Office, but I, I don't actually use it that often at all. So, but I can see the benefit of having one that uh, loads much, much quicker. And if they actually take some features away as well, um, then people are going to get less confused. Yeah, the uh, the spreadsheet, for example, there's well, I can't see pivot tables, macros, and the uh, the, the document where processors got no mail merge. In the spreadsheet, you've got to go into the preferences and change the user level to expert in order to get all the functions. So you just get the basic functions if your user level is set to, to what they call beginner. So you get sum and average and things like that. It's a lot smaller. It's only 128 rows and 64 columns. And uh, I found the help file actually has been ported straight from OpenOffice. So it references commands for creating pivot tables and macros, which are there. The toolbars in the spreadsheet are down the side rather than across the top. But overall, I think it's a, it's a good piece of software for the target audience. And in fact, for anyone who needs a free basic Office suite. I think that uh, it's a good idea that the toolbars are down the side. If you think about modern computers, they're widescreen. So um, mm. you wouldn't really put, I think if you were designing today from scratch, you might well put the stuff down the side rather than across the top. Yeah, good thinking. Good thinking. I'll stick a link in the show notes to, uh, to, to where you can get information and download this uh, Office for Kids and uh, give it a go. Yeah, and more new software this week. Uh, BusyCal released 1.0.1 with a number of improvements and fixes. Um, some people are having a problem with the dock icon updating properly to show today's date. I must admit I'm unlikely to have noticed because um, I have my dock set to auto-hide and I hardly ever see the thing. They frighten me to death if that bobbed up. Uh, I really don't use it at all. Um, there's now alarms can be added to events on the birthdays calendar. Text in read-only uh, notes fields can be selected and copied, which uh, was one of the problems I had um, on one of our shared calendars, I do believe, that you couldn't copy the text. And uh, my personal favourite, URLs uh, that are in the notes field are now clickable because I have to put URLs in the notes field. Um, I do put them where they're supposed to be, which is in uh, two other URL fields um, in each event. But neither of those fields, one's the URL and I think one is the location URL. Um, 
neither of them appear on the phone. So if I want to put um, a map link in there, yes, it's there, but when I'm out on the road and I actually need it, I can't get to it. So I've taken to putting it at the top of the notes field. Um, and that's fine on the phone, it is clickable, but it hasn't been up till now in BusyCal, but uh, that's the one thing they've fixed and now it is. Of course, knowing me, yes, I had problems. Um, when I installed a previous update, uh, it needed to restart the dock. So um, the screen started flickering like crazy. So this time I was ready for it. I thought I won't update from inside the app. I will download the DMG and install it that way. So I did that and um, it wouldn't install. Uh, it was telling me that the dock tile was in use. So I thought, OK, then I'll run the app and I'll update from inside the app. But at that stage, it had obviously half updated the thing um, and it wouldn't let me run the app. So I had to reboot. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Mm, so that's what the hyperventilating and cursing was all about then. Absolutely. Don't like having to reboot. It takes far too long to set it all up when I finished. One of the things that I noticed, just going back to a point that you made, was that although the URLs are clickable, um, I tested this out and I had to actually go back and delete, say, the last character of a URL and then just put it back in impress return so that it did make it clickable. It's not retrospective automatically. Oh dear. Just a that's, point worth bearing in mind. Yeah, that's not going to be great for um, recurring events. I suppose no, you'd have true. to change them all or um, reset them up or something like that. But I'm glad they've added it because it means that I could, if I chose, um, just put the URL in one one place now because I was having to go through and put sort of URLs all over the place. So it would work on the phone. It would work on the, the desktop. It would work generally everywhere. Um, so a good improvement, even if I've got to go back, I think. Anyway, on to this week's software review. And last week we talked about uh, my problem with uh, my audio recordings on the phone and uh, that it was stopping at 30 minutes. And as we said earlier, 36 minutes for Andy. And the quality wasn't great either, to be honest. So I, I was having problems with uh, the built-in stuff. And I hadn't, prior to the update, which gave us the voice recorder, I hadn't used any of the alternative voice recorders. Um, so I was having problems with... Uh, this was the first one I tried. Um, so, yes, it's stopping after 30 minutes. The quality isn't good. Um, the original file sizes were rather large as well, um, although that was reduced in an update. So it changed the file format to make them a bit smaller. Um, the quality wasn't configurable. And although it did have the advantage that you could um, transfer all the recordings that you'd made during your normal sync with iTunes, one of the problems of that was um, I couldn't see a way to, or I hadn't bothered, but I am sure I couldn't see a way to change the names of the recordings. So when they got into iTunes, they were called, um, I mean, yes, that there, there was some similarity in the names, but they certainly weren't easy to search for. So um, I was having problems with what was built in. I was on the lookout for something better. So I went uh, to have a look and there were lots available. But the one I actually went for is called iTalk from Griffin. And um, the reason that I went for that was it has multiple user selectable quality levels. Uh, they are, uh, for the technical amongst us, 11.025 kilohertz, 22.05 or 44.10 sample rates. But for the non-technical, um, they're listed as good, better and best. 
And Great description. Indeed, it certainly helps, doesn't it? So there's just three massive buttons. Uh, the, the user interface is very good um, because it's just really simple. Uh, it would be difficult to go wrong. And uh, I think you did a very long recording, didn't you, to test it? I did. I did about four and a half hours at best quality and it came out at 1.4 gig. Which I don't think is bad at all. That's about 315 meg an hour. Yeah, that's right. So I don't think that's bad at all. Um, the quality is very, very good. Uh, one of the other things I noticed, apart from the great quality, um, was that you got that, that four and a half hours of recording and it hardly touched the battery life. It was still almost 100%, wasn't it? It was, yeah, which is another obviously good thing. Certainly. I was thinking, you know, maybe it's cutting out after half an hour because it's going to kill the battery. But uh, no, four and a half hours and hardly touching it. I think you could go all day with that. Um, it is, as I say, very easy to use. Just a one click to record. And it's a massive big button as well. So it's nothing fiddly. Uh, and you can pause recordings. I think you tried that, didn't you? Yeah, I tried pausing the recordings, just one click again um, and one click again to restart it. Yeah, and um, in stealth mode, you can turn the um, phone off and it carries on recording with no indication it's actually turned on. So um, that, again, that's probably saving the battery life as well. But um, I was being rather careful with it because I figured it's just an app and I assumed that phone calls coming in would stop the recording. I don't know if you've actually tried that. We should try that, shouldn't we? Mm, not tried it. Just make an assumption, really, aren't we? Well, I am because of what happened later. Um, so what I did when I was trying it, I put it into airplane mode. But I also did two other things, which was turn the reminders off uh, on the calendar and turn notifications off as well. And I figured at that point I'd be hard pushed to be interrupted by anything. So uh, I turned uh, all. I made those three changes, um, and I think I'd probably do that any time I, I was relying on it. Now, um, obviously, once you've got your recordings, you need to get them off there, and they don't synchronise with iTunes. So uh, more on how to do that later. There are also two versions of it. So we said it was free. There is indeed one called iTalk Lite, which is free. Um, and what you get in that, there is an ad bar at the bottom of the recording screen. Uh, the limitations are uh, you can't email recordings larger than two meg. Um, however, I don't think people would thank you for that anyway. Uh, now, iTalk Premium is $1.99 or £1.19. Uh, and that's the one I went for. And that has no adverts at all. So instead of the adverts at the bottom of the main recording screen, you get a set of advanced playback controls. And you can email files bigger than two meg, but as I say, people won't thank you for it. So uh, if you don't want to email them, how do you get your recordings off there? Well, with some software called iTalk Sync, and uh, that is the method to transfer them. That is free software. It's available for Windows and for the Mac. And really, it just allows you to easily transfer the recordings. Um, you start the software on your Mac, or your Windows box. No, 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 we've not got any Windows listeners, don't be silly. Shh. So you, you start uh, the software on your Mac, uh, you turn your iPhone on and you run the iTalk software on the phone and the two find each other. Marvellous. And um, 
it lists the available uh, phones that it finds. So if you've got two, then I would imagine it would list both. Um, you have to accept the connection, obviously, for security on the phone. So you just uh, get a message, you just click OK to connect, and that's it, you're connected. You then get a list of recordings, and you can just drag and drop them from the uh, application on your desktop. It keeps the phone awake while it does it, obviously, because some of these recordings are quite large, like you said. Um, three and a half, uh, one, one and a half gig yours, wasn't it? So it, well, yeah. it takes a little while to uh, transfer, but it doesn't nod off whilst it's transferring. Um, and it works very well. I managed to get my recordings off. I know you managed to get yours off. But uh, whilst I was doing this, I thought very cleverly I wouldn't want to be interrupted whilst I was doing it. So I thought I'll put it into airplane mode. Stop laughing at me. It all made sense at the time. But of course, if you put it into airplane mode, you don't have a connection to the network. Right, you may now snigger. Right, that's I enough. That. Yes, that's enough. Right. Um, so I thought not to worry. You know, obviously, I shall have to leave it connected to the network. So I started transferring the first one. And uh, yes, it transferred fine. I started transferring the second one and I got a phone call. Typical, isn't it? Damn thing never rings for a week, and when it does, I'm transferring. And now I can confirm that, yes, that does indeed stop the transfer. So most important phone call, but um, it did stop the transfer. A uh, couple of other minor points with it. Um, it kills the battery. I think I was at around 90%, and um, by the time it had finished, it was down to sort of 20 and turning red. Uh, the other problem was uh, you could also fry eggs on the case. So if you're going to be transferring quite large files, I suggest that you plug the thing in and take it out of its case because it does drain the battery and it does get very, very hot. But um, it was certainly the best software I think we tried and I was happy to pay the £1.19 to lose the ads. Um, I had visions of um, trying to click save and hitting an ad instead and losing the recording. Um, and I don't like ads in my software. I really don't. I'd rather pay the developer. So uh, happy to recommend iTalk from Griffin. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to recommend it as well. It's a, a nice piece of kit. Now, uh, we heard from one of our old friends, McJim from Bonnie Scotland. That is apparently the original McJim. Oh, it is the original McJim. He's mm. Mac Jim, not McJim. Mm. So hi to Mac Jim. He's recommended something called App Trap which is a free app for removing apps. You know, we've talked about uh, App Zapper and uh, there was some app removing tool inside uh, Forklift, wasn't it? Yep, that's right, um, that's right. Yes, yeah, so App Trap. I've not had a chance to try it, but I'll stick a link in the show notes and uh, you know, let you try it for yourself. Yep, I'm going to give that a try as well. As I said, I've had a majorly busy week, but I'm definitely going to try that. So uh, we shall add that to our list of useful tools. And um, also this week, I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, a friend of ours from Twitter, Minster68. So big congratulations to him. He's been working very hard on his Landy. And if that doesn't mean anything to anybody, it will mean something to somebody. But if it doesn't mean anything to you, then we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, he's been working very hard on rebuilding a Land Rover and it looks amazing. So uh, big, big congratulations. You actually got to drive it this week and uh, we were really impressed, weren't we? We were. He's been working on the panels, hasn't he? I'm not saying a word. <laughs> oh, just imagine, just imagine. Landy panels! Oh, there's Minster's dinner all over his screen. <laughs> oh, you're so bad tempting me, you really are. Anyway, 
What else have we got to do? I know what we have to do. We have to apologise for being a day late. Yeah. Sorry that we're a day late. We've been very busy. We're going to explain why we're a day late. No, Um, leave them guessing. That could be a competition question one day. You never know. Why were we a day late? Ah, so it won't be MacBytes Monday, although it is when we're recording it. It will be MacBytes Tuesday. Ah, change is as good as a rest, isn't it? Every day can be Monday with MacBytes. Oh, nice one. Nice one. I like that. (laughs) But Um, anyway, that is it for this episode of MacBytes. And we would love to hear from you. You can contact us via the the website at macbytes.co.uk or directly via email at macbytesuk at gmail.com. You can keep up to date with what we're doing on twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Bye.